0: Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go.
1: Initialize
2: sequence.
0: Welcome to The Baldcast.
3: A production of John Bald Baldface Truth.
0: Our guest, Scott Ruett. he is the basketball coach, Oregon State women's basketball coach. Obviously, they have big games. Uh, tomorrow, seven o'clock, UCLA at Oregon State. Um, on Sunday, USC at Oregon State, two ranked teams. Oregon State now 11th in the AP poll, playing number nine UCLA tomorrow, number 10 USC on Sunday. It's a big weekend, but Scott Ruick, let's start with golf. Um, your son has, uh, he's on fire right now. He, he played in the Genesis Collegiate Showcase on Monday at the Riviera Country Club. And he won the damn thing. You have to be really proud.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm just so happy for him. I mean, we are absolutely proud of the person he is and how he how he operates and how hard he works. Um, you know, but that day was was a, a Hall of Fame day. It couldn't have been a more perfect day. I'm so thankful it was on a Monday, so Carrie and I could both be there, and um, to watch him, you know, step into the biggest opportunity that he's had to this point in his Golf career, and to just carry himself so well, so confidently, and then to watch him, you know, finish this thing on a play, two playoff holes, and to make the putt, you know, to realize uh, maybe something that was even beyond the dream, you know, to realize the dream was was just uh, overwhelming. I mean, it, w- it was just the coolest day, and so we couldn't be more more happy for him.
0: For people who don't know this collegiate showcase, it's it's really cool. It's part of the Genesis. Uh, tournament that's going on at Riviera, and you know he will get an exemption now, and he'll get to play in July of 2024 in the Scottish Open. You're going to Scotland.
1: We're going to Scotland. You you know it.
0: <laughs> that is awesome.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. So he was interviewed afterwards, and one of the questions was, "Cole, how does it feel to be making your PGA Tour debut?" on in Scotland, you know, at the Scottish Open and, and we all Carrie and I and Cole we all just kinda you know, I mean that yeah. that's just that statement, I mean, just was was crazy. So we just we're so happy for him. It's so he just he worked so hard he deserves you know, he deserves it and he's been grinding and so it was it was incredible. And so a seven foot putt, you know, with that on the line on the second playoff hole and he he rolled it right in the heart. What are you
0: thinking when Cole Ruick is lining up on that seven foot put, foot putt for a birdie? You know if he makes it, he's winning the event. It's great for him. But as a parent, you're watching that. What are you thinking about?
1: Well, all day long I was at peace, um, you know, and Carrie was too. I mean, on the inside, you want it so bad, you know, for him. He's just praying that this is the day, you know, that this happens where, you know, everything will be different. I mean, he'll just see himself as we see him, as he is. Like, just you can do this. You can be the guy, um, you know, and – and so and that's what golf does to you, and that's what competition does to you. It challenges you in that way, you know. And so, on the inside, I'm just—I mean, that—I kind of prayed, you know, going down that last fairway. He's—he's he's in the fairway on hole number 11, the second playoff hole, and I'm just like, I said, uh, Lord, let this be the day, you know, that this happens for him. And and um, and so I was just at peace with whatever happened because certainly we've come up short many times golf is a lot of failure and a lot of coming up short and a lot of disappointment. And then when you get those big moments, there's nothing better. And, and so it was emotional. Carrie was in tears. I was, I was emotional. I just couldn't wait to get out there and give him a hug, you know? And so, uh, you just, you know, you're rolling with whatever happens. Is he, is he
0: getting to rub shoulders with the pros who are out there? I mean, those guys are all on the course today and through the weekend. And, you know, is he getting that face time with those guys?
1: So, so a great connection we have is we're good friends with Michael Greller, who is Jordan Spieth's caddy, and I got to coach his his sister Katie at George Fox in my first five years of coaching. who became a amazing, one of the best leaders I've ever coached. And so the Greller family and our family have been tight forever, and, and Michael was out there, and he was with us the last nine holes plus the playoffs. And so when the event ended, we got up to the clubhouse, and this was Monday morning, and so all the pros had come over from the Waste Management in Phoenix, Phoenix Open, and had been started practicing. So we saw Rory on the tee box and then up on the practice screen, and then we saw, you know, I mean, you name it. Uh, it was Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Speed, Ricky Fowler, and so on. And so Michael took Cole around and introduced him to all of his favorite guys. And the and Coles had the opportunity to meet Jordan before, um, but this was different. And, you know, Scotty Scheffler won this event several years ago. And here you're, Cole's getting to meet the guy who, who won this, who's now the number one player in the world, you know, immediately after the tournament. And then just to add on to all of that um, was the following morning. And this is Tiger Woods's tournament. Tiger wasn't out there that day, but the next morning Michael sent a video um, from a practice round, and, and it was Tiger congratulating Cole. <laughs> <That is so laughs> and said, cool. you know, congratulations. Can't wait to see you out here.
0: Next July, July 11th through the 14th, Scottish Open uh, uh, coming up. So that will be amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, does that rule him out for the BFT Foundation Celebrity Golf Tournament? We'll have to find out. Maybe we'll have to schedule around that and
1: get Cole Ruick on the course again. Might have on another date. Yeah, uh, really. <laughs> we, had a, uh, we had a great time. How did
0: he get started in golf? Like, were, Are you a golfer? Is Kerry a golfer? How, how did he get interested?
1: I love it. I love it. Um, you know, my dad kind of played everything. Golf wasn't his number one, but he put a club in my hand when I was a little kid. And my grandpa Jameson, my mom's dad, uh, was a member at Rose City in Portland forever. And so it was Grandpa Jay's favorite game, and he taught me, and and uh, I loved him, and he loved golf, and so I loved golf too. And I just, um, it's actually the only thing I do right-handed because my grandpa taught me on his clubs, and and so um, because I. I just love what that game does to you. I love how hard it is. I love what it does to your mind. I love that you have to conquer yourself to have a chance. And um, so I've loved it forever. And so the second Cole was, was uh – uh you know, we started playing cats, I'm like, this guy has great hand eye. He's got great mm-hmm. touch. We've got to put a club in his hand because you're going to have a great short game. And, and he just fell in love with it. He loves numbers, and he has the personality made for the game. So it was just a natural fit, and it's always been his number one. And so we started young.
0: Yeah, I mean, and this is just the second time that a Mountain West Conference golfer has won the event. Um, uh, You know, Scott you got to be really proud of Cole, obviously, and, you know, and everything he's been through that a lot of parents listening to this are balancing youth sports and trying to keep it fun. We talk about this a lot, like trying to keep your kids want to come back. How did you keep golf fun for Cole?
1: I never one day asked him other than to play with me. Um, if you want to go, if you want to come, um, I've never asked him to go play. He, he just, that was what he did, and he drove it, and so we supported what he loved and what he wanted. By chance, it's also what I love. Um, you know, and I just always have seen that as kind of like a, a silver lining in it. Um, but I, I had some real candid conversations. I said, I, I want you, even though you know I love this game and I love watching you compete in it, I never want you to play this game for me, ever. I said, I, it won't, I won't change one ounce what I ca- how much I love you or care about you you know, if you were to say, I never want to play golf again, you know, and so it is really, it's his game, and we have supported him the best we can in it, and I think that's the key. It was never about us.
0: love that. It's great advice. Scott Ruick is with us, Oregon State women's basketball coach. You guys are getting a little love, not a lot of love. They uh, have moved you up to number 11 in the rankings. You'll get uh, number 9 UCLA tomorrow, number 10 USC on Sunday, both at Gill Coliseum for people who want to see great basketball be a great opportunity, especially to bring your kids to see the Beavers tomorrow night, 7 o'clock and Sunday at noon. Um, Reagan Beers was on the show with us. What a great kid. What a great story. She didn't even know when she came on air that she was the Player of the Week, and it was like hours after it had been announced, and she tried to correct me. I said, two-time Packed 12 Player of the Week, and she said, no, 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 I think it's only one. I go, ah... I, you know, you just won it. Like, and she was like, "Oh, wow!" Like, that says a lot about her that she, like, she's not even tuned into that.
1: She's incredible, and that's that sums up our team. I, I, this team has a, a kind of a throwback humility that, I mean, I'm just having the time of my life. I just want you to know that. Um, The the Cole situation was an added bonus. (laughs) But I have been in heaven with this team this year. Uh, And they are an absolute joy to work with every day. And it is that. It's their humility. Uh, They love the game. They love each other. They love competing. um, And they love finding ways to win. And they love people, so they love inspiring people with the way that they perform. And they take pride in that. And they've been incredibly coachable every day they want to be coached and you know that's rare that's (laughs) it's hard to want to be coached and and so they want to look at their mistakes and they want to fix them and now they're holding each other accountable they've kind of developed that trust in each other to to really kind of get on each other with when there's mistakes made and that means that everything is always advancing forward and it comes out of that humility and it comes out of great leadership and you look at ray and what she brings to the program every day not only you know, one of the best centers in the country or forward, whatever you want to call her, Um, you know, but she um, just has this joy and this presence that oozes out of her that's infectious, that just makes every room better. And you heard that in in that that humility, you know, on your show the other day. And that's just who she is every day. And so just that that amazing star-quality person that puts other people first all the time.
0: When when I see these two games coming up tomorrow and Sunday – I got to think your team is looking at this as a great opportunity. Like there might be some teams that look at it and go, "Ooh, these are going to be two tough games." But, but I heard in her voice, "Opportunity," you know, and uh, you know, wow, what an opportunity to play UCLA and USC. When you, what do you see with UCLA? Let's start with them tomorrow night uh, on film when you look at them.
1: Yeah, and I like that word, and we use that word a lot. You know, we've created a great opportunity for a big game, and and here comes another ranked opponent. You know, we'll have four straight here, and. Um, so UCLA has has some of the best. It's probably the best guard trio in the country um, on the perimeter, and then they they got the number one recruit from a year ago. Now a sophomore in Lauren Betts, who was number one. Ray was number three ranked, and they're both from the Denver area, and so they've been you know a rival for forever uh, since they have started playing the game, and and um, and so UCLA they they got her to transfer from Stanford last year, and and so she is you know the presence on the inside, and so it's just a really good team that we were not quite good enough to beat the first time around. We made too many mistakes. And so uh, we're excited for that challenge. Can we correct some of those errors that we made the first time against a team that has weapons at every position and plays so fast and so hard as well. And so it's it's just going to be a great battle.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's, we say like we being media, we'll always say things like, you know, you got your team playing their best basketball at the right time of the year. I, do you think in those terms or are you more focused in uh, the flow of the week, the flow of this game? Are you looking, you know, at at it as a 3-month thing or how wide is your vision on on a season?
1: Yeah, I it's a good question. I I mean, <clears throat> the flip of that is what? Um okay, let's not play good yet. <laughs> right. Um you know, I I mean, what is that? So so I always think A team that stays connected, always protect that first. A team that stays connected and is enjoying each other, enjoying the process, enjoying us, even in a losing season. I would say we played our best basketball last year at the end. I mean, we beat Arizona on senior day and then went and beat FC at the Paco Tournament. We won four games in conference last year. I mean, from the outside, that would have been a miserable year, but I would say, nah, we came up short, but we had fun all the way through and we played our best at the end. So that's my goal is just to keep adding a layer, you know, a layer, another layer, another layer. There's no way this team this year, as, as good as the stretch has been and, and we've played, we're not close to what we're capable of. We still have so much more to go. And so keeping our eyes focused on that, the little things, let's not get satisfied because we won five games. Let's, let's look at those games and go, man, yeah, we could have been even better. And so that's where our focus is.
0: Yeah, you guys are having fun, and I I think people who want to get out and see good basketball, good college basketball, uh, you know, are all kind of looking towards the Portland Regional. I just can't help but think that this lines up for you guys, that it's an opportunity if you take care of business, you know, to end up in Portland and end up with, you know, a a relatively uh, friendly crowd in front of you. And, you know, are, are you guys talking about that yet?
1: No. Um, But yesterday, former coach and and legend Aki Hill was at practice and she threw it out. (laughs) So it has been mentioned. I have not mentioned it, but Aki Hill said, I dream of the Portland Regional, you know, for you guys. And and so, okay, it's been verbalized, you know, and and maybe the team has, but we have not talked about that. Um, You know, we've have plenty of other things to be talking about. And, um, you know, but uh, yeah, that would be uh, I mean, that's dreamy, what you just mentioned right there. That would be dreamy. you know. And so right now um, our goal is to play in a way that we could host the first two rounds of the tournament. And you know, I think if you get to 20 wins, you kind of figure you're in it. Now let's figure out how to position ourselves. And the only way this is possible, possession by possession. As cliche as it is, it's the truth. It's just we've got to be better this possession than that team and keep doing that.
0: It's interesting because I think, you know, those same principles apply to life. Like, take care of the, you know, the 20 square feet around you and, you know, every day and and that and the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. And I am looking um, at the rankings. You're 11th. You you moved up six spots. Obviously, the people voting said, oh, look what Oregon State's doing. You know, they're beating everybody. They're going on the road and winning. They're winning at home. And and it's been remarkable. I know that stuff doesn't matter kind of to your team. You know, you can't control who votes for you. But, the overall perception of the program is that Oregon State women's basketball is is good and talented, and, and that's not bad, is it?
1: No, and actually I think it, in this day and age, perception is important. Um, I, I think that, that perception leaks into the room uh, with the committee even at the end, and um, some of those narratives are, are very important in our sport. And so, yeah, so we, we – we would love to continue to capitalize on that, and um, thank you for doing your part, but you know, getting our players out there so people get to know these people and, and just what amazing humans that they are that are competing and, and pouring their hearts out on the floor in front of them. Um, those types of things, I think, do in this day and age matter, but that's also uh, right on brand, I mean, to impact as many people positively as we can through this game. I mean, that's, that's been the, the mantra of this program since day one. Been a hell of a week
0: for the Ruick family. Cole Ruick uh, winning that exemption for the Scottish Open as he wins the uh, Genesis Collegiate Showcase on Monday. Scott Ruick's got basketball games on Friday and Sunday. Anything else going on in your household? Spelling bee? Anything?
1: <laughs> um, uh, my daughter Kate plays at Corvallis. She's the starting point guard there, and Corvallis is right now. In first place in their league, and has a huge game at Silverton tomorrow night. See? And they're they're twelve and one or thirteen and one, and uh, in league anyway. And, and I think they're ranked fifth or sixth in state. Uh, that's however the osa ranking works and then my younger daughter macy our six our sixth grader is up um at a competition for her zion lutheran school and she just had a dance performance this morning and crushed it i just watched the video before <laughs> um before our conversation here and and so uh, it's been uh it's been a great stretch and uh feel real blessed so when
0: you're at a your kid's basketball game or dance competition and do people look to you for analysis, or can you? Are you allowed to be a parent in, the, in those moments?
1: No, uh, I'm. I'm allowed to be a parent. That's that's the beauty of Corvallis. People protect you, and <laughs> and so it's it's a great, it's a great place to do what we do. Scott Ruick, thank you.
0: Uh, keep this week going. Don't bet against the Ruicks this week. That's the lesson we're learning.
1: <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure, John. Thank you.
0: Do not bet against the Ruicks. They are on a roll this week. Uh, Cole winning the event, and uh, of course, Scott Ruick and his team moving towards a Portland regional. I will not be surprised to see the Beavers in that region. I will not be surprised to see Iowa and Caitlin Clark in that region as well. Leave it here. You got the bald faced truth. Thanks to Oregon State football coach Trent Bray for joining us, and uh, Oregon State women's basketball coach Scott Ruick for joining us. A little heavy on the uh, beaver presence today. Duck fan, should be mad at me. should be saying, where's Dan Lanning? Where's Kelly Graves? Where's Dana Altman? Uh, all those guests make it on the show. But, yeah, a little heavy on the beavers today. We'll talk NBA with Kenny Vance in the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to play Punch It Audio. Here we go.
3: Here we go. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear
0: little snippets of sound. Hey,
3: it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling.
0: Spencer McLaughlin hosts a Oregon Ducks football podcast called Locked on the Ducks. He talked on yesterday's show about the battle between Ohio State and Oregon in the Big Ten.
1: Punch it. And everywhere you look, it's, you know, kind of Oregon 2, Ohio State 1 in the Big Ten. I think it's more like 1A, 1B. You can put them in whatever order you'd like, but I think something you have to discuss is how does Oregon not have at least a little bit of an advantage? Because when they play in the regular season, they play in Eugene at Austin Stadium, and I think that's a pretty notable edge there and i think oregon schedule is uh is pretty solid i think it's you know mildly more difficult than it could have been because you play ohio state and michigan but you miss penn state you miss usc you know washington and michigan both i think are pullback teams from last year so i think the schedule works out i think the team is there and uh, and they just got to go execute on the field the team's there
0: the schedule works out question is Will Oregon get quarterback play from Dylan Gabriel or whoever starts a quarterback that will put them in position to beat a team like Ohio State? Quarterback-centric game. You're going to need great play there. I also have questions about what Dan Lanning will be like in year three. Can he take another step forward as a head coach? He should. Seems to be paying attention, saying the right things. Does he learn from his mistakes? Because these are going to be big stakes games. And And if we're being real, Oregon's performance in big state games has not been impressive. Lost twice to Washington last season. Lost to Oregon State two seasons ago when it counted. People are going to talk about these things until Dan Lanning beats Michigan. Until he beats Ohio State. Until he beats a Penn State. Until he wins a playoff game. People are going to say those things. And I think they're fair criticisms until we get to that point. Bill Platchkey is the columnist at the LA Times been critical of chip kelly departing to ohio state here's platchkey punch it
3: it was so it was such a such a shameful act by him why why did not he leave at the end of the season why did he wait till now he left the program bereft of everything he didn't he didn't want to deal with nil he didn't want to deal with recruiting and he stays in college football and he takes a demotion to go to a team in the same conference it makes him look terrible it makes ucla look terrible they, they quickly hired to foster but they don't have they don't have, you know, the, the NIL money's not there, the recruiting's not there, their program is is in tatters. They got to rebuild from day to the ground up and enter the Big 10. No shame on Chip Kelly. I just I just thought what he the act he did was just a bore and he was I'm so mad at him.
0: I like Bill Plasky, but I don't like this take from Bill Plasky. We're in an era where players are being told do what's best for yourself. Coaches are being told, "Hey, I'm doing what's best for myself." Schools are saying to each other, we have to do what's best for ourselves. Why did Chip Kelly wait? Well, he didn't have an offer. Bill O'Brien wasn't gone. Ohio State didn't have a position available. Chip Kelly was out interviewing, trying to get NFL jobs, and he left as soon as he got a job that was palatable to him. I think that's why he left so late. Does it make it convenient for UCLA? Hell no. No more convenient than your starting quarterback getting in the portal. No more convenient than when UCLA and USC jumped in the portal and went to the Big Ten. Just saying. Plachki was out front right then saying, this is the new world of college football. You got to get with it. Well, welcome to the new world of college football. UCLA didn't do enough to lock Chip Kelly down. Didn't do enough in the NIL space. And frankly, might be better off because of it. If you're looking for a silver lining. Ryan Gunderson, he is the offensive coordinator at Oregon State. What are they going to look like on offense? Here's Gundy, punch it. I think we've all seen what Oregon State can be uh, in the past 25 years. It's been a lot of really good football. Um, I think with the right guys, the right players playing confidently, we can score a lot of points. And you'll see an offense that is going to change paces. We'll go fast, we'll go slow, we'll try to keep defenses on their toes and challenge them. Learning the offense, but having confidence in the offense. Um, So I think the the next step is that. uh, And that's as simple as just getting better each day and and learning it and becoming more confident each day. We're going to make it fun, make it exciting, not going to hold anything back. We're going to throw all the punches and, and see what, where the chips fall, but we're going to leave it all out on the field. It'll be a lot of fun. Leave it all on, out on the field, says Gundy. I think uh, it's it's fun to hear stuff like that and uh, see and wonder what Oregon State's going to look like, but we're not really going to know what Oregon State is going to be on offense until we see them on offense next season. Bamani Jones says he was surprised to see Doc Rivers get another coaching job. Punch it.
3: His team's get into the place of not being good enough, not getting over the top.
0: <laughs> but part of why that winds up happening and why
3: I'm surprised they brought him into this situation, them dudes get tired of him. Like, when, like in this new run of players doing podcasts, when Doc first got that job, it was funny to watch all these cats that are now in their early 40s and see their eyes roll. The ones who played for him. Uh, and how they felt about the idea of him getting a job. And that's why it's so crazy to me that he keeps getting another one because we both know this, man. Players decide when coaches are done. And I don't mean that from a coach-killer standpoint. Once the players are done with you, you are done. There's no turning this around. There's no bringing it back. Once the players have had enough, you're going to be out of there.
0: Yeah, look, uh, I'm not going to – the league is a league of retreads. The NFL is a league of retreads. The NBA thought – that uh, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks thought that bringing Doc Rivers back was a good idea. Sometimes these things work out, sometimes they don't. Sample size has been small, but so far doesn't look like a great move by the Milwaukee Bucks. Tiger Woods says he's having a lot of fun. He's at his own golf tournament, the Genesis Open at the Riviera Golf Course, where Tiger Woods is currently sitting at one over. Here he is. Punch it. Yeah, my, my ankle doesn't hurt anymore. Um, because no, the bones aren't rubbing anymore. But then again, it's different than other parts of my body have to take the brunt of it, just like my, my back is fused. And so other parts of my body have taken the brunt over that. And, and I have you know, two different body parts that are, are now fused. Um, yeah, other, other parts of the body have to adapt. And as far as the, the love, the love, I still love competing. I love playing. I love being a part of the game of golf. Um, this is a game of of a lifetime, and I don't ever want to stop playing. Tiger Woods had no three putts in his opening round, but he only made two putts outside of seven feet all day. Um, you know, that's really where he wasn't great. Five birdies, six bogeys, one over seventy-two. He um, he's got to come out and talk. It's his event, right? And certainly uh, his new partnership with Taylor Made and the Sun Day Red campaign, uh, having him try to be more visible here, but uh, felt indifferent this opening round. Never really got it going, and uh, we'll see what he has for the rest of this tournament. Caitlin Clark, she's on the cusp of history, trying to become the leading all-time scorer in women's NCAA Basketball history. Punch it. I
1: told you when you break the record, will they stop the game? Will they recognize you? Do you know anything about that?
2: I don't know, honestly. I hope they don't stop the game, though. <laughs> we can't be wasting timeouts on that. Come on now.
0: <laughs> Caitlin Clark in Iowa. There's part of this story that um, is charming, and there's part of this story that I think Iowa and its coaching staff and Caitlin Clark are threatening to hit an exhaustion point. Like, I love the story. I think she's great for the game. I said it off the top of the show. I also think the act of her coach and sort of the Iowa story has an exhaustion point. I will not be surprised if they arrive at the end of the season with a target on their chest. Kaitlin Clark's set to make history tonight. Has she got it yet? She's chasing uh, Washington Husky. Kelsey Plum has the all-time scoring record. Tonight's going to be the night. Does she have the record yet? Steven, update? Uh, no, game tips off at 5 o'clock. I believe. 5 o'clock. Okay, so here we go. So we're, we're 28 minutes away. Let's track that. When she breaks the record, break in. I believe it's a Peacock uh, exclusive, too. Ooh, all over it. It is. FUBU TV's got it. and You know it's good because it's on FUBU. All right, moving on. Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves giving us an update on the terrible shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs parade and rally. Punch it.
2: First and foremost, I want to stress that preliminary investigative findings have shown there was no nexus to terrorism or homegrown violent extremism. This appeared to be a dispute between several people that ended in gunfire. During the overnight hours, we learned there are 23 victims of yesterday's shooting. One of our victims, Elizabeth Galvin. 43 years old died We're still learning about her, but know that she is beloved by many to her friends and family We are with you And we are working tirelessly to investigate her murder the 22 victims age range between eight years old and 47 years old at least half of our victims Are under the age of 16. As mentioned yesterday, we have subjects detained, two of which are juveniles. We are working to determine the involvement of others, and it should be noted we have recovered several firearms.
0: Several firearms, this is sad stuff, shouldn't be happening. Bothers me that it happened at a parade, bothers me that it happened at a sporting event, bothers me that children were among those who were shot and uh, that families uh, now have to think about going to parades. I get it. I get why the police chief is talking about terrorism and saying there's no connection to terrorism. But I wrote it today at johnconzano.com. I cannot help but think um, when someone pulls a gun out or multiple people pull guns out at a parade, that it's an act of terrorism by sheer definition. Like, you know, whether it fits the definition. Of terrorism in the eyes of law enforcement and our government is another thing, but this should not have happened. Makes me sad anytime this happens. It pisses me off that you can't go into a movie theater or a shopping mall or a church or a school without thinking about, you know, shelter in place and, you know, where are the exits and uh, is it safe in here? It didn't used to be this way. It doesn't have to be this way. It bothers me. Harry Douglas said he's appalled and disappointed in the firing of 49ers defensive coordinator Steve Wilks. Punch it. Uh, I think it's terrible. I was
3: appalled. I was also disappointed. When you look at that Super Bowl game, it wasn't Steve Wilks on the first drive offensively. Uh, It was Christian McCaffrey that fumbled that football. It wasn't Steve Wilks that missed the extra point that would have put the Kansas City Chiefs probably in a different situation towards uh, regulation. That was Jake Moody. Also, it was not Steve Wilks who was on offense after getting two turnovers and couldn't score one point off of those turnovers and
0: actually had the there ball There it is. Come- He's talking about whether or not it's Steve Wilkes' fault in the game. Kyle Shanahan making it clear when he made the decision to part ways with Wilkes that it's not about one game, not about one play. This was an ongoing issue. Just not a good fit is what Shanahan said yesterday in his news conference. It kinda of, it makes me think like this is gonna be an important hire for Kyle Shanahan, an important decision, and not just a hire, but how does that develop? How does that blossom? How does that work out? There's gonna be a lot of attention and a lot of scrutiny paid to this move by Kyle Shanahan. He must have been very uncomfortable with Steve Wilkes as his D coordinator. And we've seen this before. Multiple defensive coordinators leaving San Francisco for head coaching jobs. With the New York Jets, with the Houston Texans, you end up with some turnover, not just uh, you know via free agency, but on your coaching staff. When you have success, it it, I think frankly, underscores the success that the Kansas City Chiefs have had in being around the AFC title game and being around the Super Bowl and winning back-to-back Super Bowls, and you know while losing assistant coaches and Andy Reid's staff turning over. Think about the framing of that. As you watch the 49ers go in search of their new D coordinator,
3: we interrupt this podcast with a special
0: announcement from the Bald Face. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio show. Thanks for listening.